0: Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is season five, and it's called The Book Club. We're on chapter 28. Welcome back. Happy Canada Day weekend, and soon to be happy 4th of July for my American friends. These holidays represent our country's independence as free countries. This time reminds us that freedom has many levels. God gave us freedom through free will, the opportunity to choose For ourselves, what is right and what is wrong. We are free to choose our destiny and free to follow whatever life path we choose. Freedom of mind and spirit is the willingness to be open and be aware of what is happening around you, to look for the signposts and the guides along your way. God gives us opportunities every day to see the miracles He has to offer. I heard a great piece of writing. It was a script from a movie that I didn't see, but I came across this one scene in a little video clip, and it went like this. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them an opportunity to be patient? If someone prays for courage, do you think that God gives them courage? Or does he give them the opportunity To be courageous. If someone prayed for a family member to be closer to them, do you think that God zaps them with warm and fuzzy feelings? Or does He give that family opportunities to love one another? Free will is the opportunity to make choices and weigh them against your instincts and morals. God gives us opportunities through lessons, and what we choose to do with those lessons are entirely up to us. That is free will. Today we'll begin chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. And I'm going to break this chapter up. We're going to complete this chapter this week, but I'm going to break it up and I'm going to do half of it tonight and I'm going to do half of it on Wednesday night. So this week it's going to be released on, the tw- on uh, July 25th, the second half of chapter 28. And the reason for that is that my plan was to do the whole thing tonight. Uh, but this has been a very busy week and it's moved into a very busy weekend. So I am literally taping this on Sunday evening and you're going to get it. It'll be released right after I tape this, which I normally don't do this. But it was, uh, again, it's been a very crazy week. So bear with me, we'll do half, we'll do the present memory, reversing effect and cause, and the agreement to join tonight. And then I'll finish up with the greater joining, the alternative to dream of fear, the secret vows, and the ark of safety on Wednesday. And then that'll wrap up 28. So that in two weeks' time after that, we will be starting chapter 29. Okay, so let's begin. This is chapter 28, and it's called The Undoing of Fear. And it's in my book, it's on page 589. Paragraph one starts like this The miracle does nothing, all it does is to undo and thus it cancels out the interference to what has been done. So that's interesting. Just off the top, I've had people in my podcast say, what do you mean the miracle does nothing? No, the miracle does everything, but it does, it. does it's saying the miracle does nothing in, et- in um, eternity. It fixes it. It fixes things in time, which is what we live in. But in eternity, it really does nothing. And that's what it's trying to say here, is that it just it just puts, it sets everything back to the way it's supposed to be. That's what a miracle does. It does not add, but merely takes away. And what it takes away is long since gone, But but being kept in memory appears to have immediate effects. This world was long over, can't read today. This world was over long ago. The thoughts that made it are no longer in the mind that thought of them and loved them for a little while. Paragraph two says, all the effects of guilt are here no more for guilt is over in its passing when its consequences left without a cause. Why would you cling to it in memory if you did not desire its effects? Remembering is a selective as perception, being its past tense. It is perception of the past as if it were occurring now and still we're there to see. So just trying to make note that that's what we do with memories, right? We pull them up from our past and we put them in the present, trying to make them be part of this moment. And they're not, they're over, they're gone. And they shouldn't be brought into this into this present moment because they don't belong there. Paragraph four uh, near the bottom says the Holy Spirit can indeed make use of memory for God himself is there, right? Remember many times this book has told us that this is all about remembering God. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job job is, is to help us remember what we truly are and help us to remember our Creator. Yet the, the, yet this is not a memory of past events, but only of a present state. You are so long accustomed to believe that memory holds only what is past, that it is hard for you to realize that it is a skill that can remember now. The limitations on remembering the world imposes on it are as vast as those you would let the world impose on you. Next page, which is... 590, right? Paragraph five says the Holy Spirit's use of memory is quite apart from time. He does not seek to use it as a means to keep the past, but rather as a way to let it go. Memory holds the message it receives and does what it is given to do. It does not write the message nor appoint what it is for. Like to the body, it is purposeless within itself. And if it seems to observe, I'm sorry, if it seems to cherish, no, if it seems to serve to cherish ancient hate and give you picture of injustices and hurts that you were saving, this is what you asked its message be, and that is what it is. Paragraph six, yet time is but another phase of what does nothing. It works hand in hand with all the other attributes with which you seek to keep concealed the truth about yourself. Again, the truth about yourself, knowing that you are a spiritual being on a journey and your body is just the avatar that you're, you know, the vehicle you're using to get through that journey. Paragraph seven says, remember nothing that you taught yourself for you were badly taught. And who would keep a senseless lesson in his mind when he can learn and can preserve a better one? When ancient memories of hate appear, remember that their cause is gone, right? Holding on to that hurt, holding on to those pains. It's funny, we had a conversation in um, my book club group, and we're talking about sickness, because a lot of people have a, have difficulty wrapping their head around sickness, because this book says, we create it like everything else. And a, a lot of uh, the members of the book club would say, well, I wouldn't want to create my sickness. I wouldn't do that to myself. But what the book is trying to tell you, and it's doing it right here again, is telling you it's memories. It's stuff that you hold on to. It's childhood hurts. It's childhood trauma. It's things from the past that you hold on to and that still is part of you. That hurt manifests into sickness. You got to let it go. That's why it's, it's, that's why this book keeps saying it's nothing. It's, purposeless. It has no meaning except what you attach to it. Don't attach meaning to it. Let it go and you shall be healed. The next page, which is page 591, paragraph nine says this, what you remember never was. It came from causelessness, which you confused with cause. It can deserve but laughter. When you learn, you have remembered consequences that were causeless and can never be effects. The miracle reminds you of a cause forever present, perfectly untouched by time and interference. <clears throat> never change from what it is and you are its effects as changeless and as perfect as itself. Its memory does not lie in the past nor waits the future. Paragraph 10 sentence six says, what you remember, what you're remembering would witness to is but the fear of God. He has not done the thing you fear. No more have you. And so your innocence has not been lost. You need no healing to be healed. Paragraph 11 says, the miracle comes quietly into the mind that stops an instant and is still. It reaches gently from the quiet time and from the mind it healed in quiet then to other minds to share its quietness, and they will join in doing nothing to prevent its radiant extension back into the mind which caused all minds to be one, which is God. And that's that connection, right? We have to God. Next page, which is page 592. Paragraph 13 says, How instantly the memory of God arises, and the mind that has no fear to keep the memory away. Its own remembering has gone. There is no past to keep it fearful, to keep its fearful image in the way of glad awakening to present peace. The trumpets of eternity resound throughout the stillness, yet disturb it not. So it's saying here, this is really important, that it's saying when you clear your mind of all the past and anything you think about in the future and let go of all those memories and let go of all those things, then that quietness is where God lives. That's quietness is where peace and joy and calmness resides. But you're not going to find that as long as your memories are flowing in like a river into your mind and filling it up and not allowing you to be free of it. Paragraph 14 says, now is the son of God at last aware of present cause and its benign effects. Now does he understand what he has made is causeless, having no effects at all. He has done nothing. And in seeing this, he understands he never had a need for doing anything and never did. His cause is its effects. There never was a cause beside it that could generate a different past or future. Its effects are changelessly eternal beyond fear and past the world of sin entirely. So that is that section, which is called present memory. Just reminding us that present memory is God, right? In the present, when you are quiet, and when you are still and when peace and joy just resounds from you, in you, that's God. That's where you are. That's who you're connected to. The source, you are at the source. Any other memories flowing in disconnects you from the source. The next section called reversing cause and effect. Nope. See, I always want to call cause and effect or or effect and, and it's reversing in here, reversing effect and cause. Paragraph one starts like this, without a cause, there can be no effects. And yet without effects, there is no cause. The ca- the cause, a cause is made by its effects. The father is a father by his son. Effects do not create their cause. Next page, which is 593. At the top, it says, but they establish its causation. Thus, the son gives fatherhood to his creator And receives the gift that he has given him. It is because he is God's son that he must also be a father who creates as God created him. So this is, you know, talking about the whole story of creation and how we keep going and we keep creating. Paragraph two says, fatherhood is creation. Love must be extended. Purity is not confined. It is in the nature of the innocent to be forever uncontained without a barrier or limitation. Paragraph four a little bit further down says, nothing at all has happened but that but that you have put yourself to sleep and dreamed a dream in which you were an alien to yourself. This is really interesting, this paragraph. I'm gonna just start that again and listen carefully because it sort of describes how we've come into this world. Nothing at all has happened, but that you have put yourself to sleep and dreamed a dream in which you were an alien to yourself and but a part of someone else's dream. The miracle does not awaken you, but merely shows you who the dreamer is. It teaches you there is a choice of dreams while you are still asleep, depending on the purpose of your dreaming. Do you wish for dreams of healing or for dreams of death? A dream is like a memory in that it pictures what you want shown to you paragraph five says the empty storehouse with an open door holds all your shreds of memories and dreams. Yet if you are the dreamer, you perceive this much, this much at least. Yet if you are the dreamer, you perceive this, oh sorry, that you have caused the dream and can accept another dream as well. But for this change in content of the dream, it must be realized that It is you who dreamed the dreaming that you do not like. Okay. I know I know how this goes. And it always becomes a little bit more complicated. And people will turn to me and say, what? So what it's trying to say there is if you can picture that you're the dreamer. So we already said that this is an illusion. We've come here in this illusion. This isn't real. This is time-based. This is time-space. God lives in eternity, lives in a whole other space continuum. And we've come here and we have forgotten what we are. So we're in a dreamlike state, wandering around through this life, trying to figure out what's real. And by real, I mean God, and trying to figure out the truth. By truth, I mean God. So we wander around in the dream. And then when we go to sleep at night, we dream within the dream. And that is all chosen. Those are all things we choose to dream. So just that's what they mean by that part. Oh, and that ends it. So that's talking about, oh, no, it isn't. No, it doesn't. Sorry, I'm switching the page. Oh, I switched the page. I thought I ended that. Nope, keep going. Page 594. So you can see I'm in a a weird mood. I think it's because I've just been, um, I've had a lot going on this week and I did not want to miss this evening. Did not want to not post something. So just bear with me here. Paragraph six says, this world is causeless as is every dream that anyone has dreamed within the world. No plans are possible and no design exists that could be found and understood. What else could be expected from a thing that has no cause? Yet if it has no cause, it has no purpose. Paragraph seven, the miracle establishes you dream a dream and, this, and that its content is not true. This is a crucial step in dealing with illusions. No one is afraid of them when he perceives he made them up. The fear was held in place because he did not see that he was the author of the dream and not a figure in the dream. He gives himself the consequences that he dreams he gave his brother and And it is, but this dream has put together and has offered him to show him that he wishes, his wishes have been done. Paragraph eight says, the separation started with the dream. The father was deprived of his effects and powerless to keep them since he was no longer their creator. Sorry, I'm just fixing this book here. Um, was no longer their creator in the dream. The dreamer made himself, but what he made has turned against him, taking on the role of its creator as the dream had. And as he hated his creator, so the figures in the dream have hated him. His body is their slave, which they abuse because the motives he has given it, given it have adopted as their own and hate it for the vengeance. It would offer them. It is their vengeance on the body that appears to prove the dreamer could not be the maker of the dream. Again, just talking about how we have put this all on ourselves and how we've created this belief that this is real. And that we are just puppets in some sort of play and that we don't have a choice and that we don't, you know, we just go along with it and see what happens instead of knowing that like our creator, we can shift and we can move away from this dream. Paragraph 10 on the next page, which is 595, says this, like every lesson that the Holy Spirit requests you learn, the miracle is clear. It demonstrates what he would have you learn and shows you its effects are what you want. In his forgiving dreams are the effects of yours undone. And hated enemies perceived as friends are merciful intent. Their enmity is seen as causeless now because they did not make it. And you can accept the rule of maker of their hate because you see that it has no effects. So again, it's all the things you hold on to. And the problems we create with other people and starting to see that we do that, we create these problems and taking ownership of that. Paragraph 11, sentence six says, the miracle is useless if you learn, but that the body can be healed for this is not the lesson it was sent to teach. The lesson is the mind was sick that thought the body could be sick. Projecting out its guilt caused nothing and had no effects. Paragraph 12 says the world is full of miracles. They stand in shining silence next to every dream of pain and suffering of guilt and sin or sin and guilt. They are the dreamers alternative, the choice to be the dreamer rather than deny the active role in making up the dream. They are the glad effects of taking back the consequences of sickness to its cause. The body is released because the mind acknowledges this is, is not done to me, but I am doing this. And thus the mind is free to make another choice instead. Beginning here, salvation will proceed to change the course of every step in the descent to separation until all the steps have been retraced and the latter gone and all the dreaming of the world undone. That is that section, which is reversing effect and cause. All right, and so I'm gonna do one more section. And then that, so I said, I'm gonna call it call it a little bit short tonight and I will complete the rest on Wednesday and I will download it Wednesday. So you'll see a uh, different download date and uh, they're back to back. So this is page 596, it's called the agreement to join. Paragraph one says this, what waits in perfect certainty beyond salvation is not our concern. Paragraph two says, no mind is sick until another mind agrees that they are separate. And thus it is their joint decision to be sick. If you withhold agreement and accept the part you play in making sickness real, the other mind cannot project its guilt without your aid in letting it perceive itself as separate and apart from you. Thus is the body not perceived as sick, By both your minds and from separate points of view. Paragraph four near the bottom says The end of dreaming is the end of fear, and love was never in the world of dreams. The gap is little, yet it holds the seeds of pestilence and every form of ill, because it is a wish to keep apart and not to join. And thus it seems to give a cause to sickness which is not its cause. The purpose of the gap is all the cause that sickness has, for it is made to keep you separated in a body which you see as if it were the cause of pain. Next page, page 597, paragraph 5 says this, the cause of pain is separation, not the body, which is only its effect. Paragraph 7 says, count then the silver miracles and the golden dreams of happiness as all the treasures you would keep within the storehouse of the world. The doors open, not to thieves, but to your starving brothers who mistook for gold, the shining of a pebble and who stored a heap of snow that shone like silver. They have nothing left behind the open door. What is the world except a little gap perceived to tear eternity apart and break it into days and months and years? Paragraph 8. Be not afraid, my child, but let your world be gently lit by miracles. And where the little gap was seen to stand between you and your brother, join them there. And so sickness will now be seen without cause. The dream of healing in forgiveness lies, and gently shows you that you never sinned. The miracle would leave no proof of guilt to bring you witness to what never was. And in your storehouse, it will make a place for welcome for your father and yourself. Paragraph nine at the bottom says this, as I change, shifting my book here, this is a feast unlike indeed to those the dreaming of the world has shown. For here, the more that anyone receives, the more is left for all the rest to share. Next page. And, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to keep going on that one. Sorry. The guests have brought unlimited, next page, unlimited supply with them. And no one is deprived or can deprive. Here's a feast the father lays before his son and shares it, it equally with him. And in their sharing, there can be no gap in which abundance falters and grows thin. Sorry. Here can the lean years enter not, for time waits not upon this feast, which has no end. For love has set its table in the space that seemed to keep your guests apart from you. Okay, so that section is called the agreement to join. So this is just a section that refers to how we made that agreement to join a very long time ago before we came here. And that our goal in this world is to realize that that's what we came here for is to connect again, is to see our brothers and sisters as one with us with no judgment, with no motive with nothing, just knowing that they are part of us and connected to us in every way, in every form. All right, so I'm going to leave that there, and later in the week, as I said, I will do the rest of 28, and then we will, um, and then we'll end it. And so, in two weeks' time, when we come back again, um, I will start chapter 29, which is the awakening. And I'll cover the sections of the closing of the gap, the coming of the guest, God's witnesses, dream roles, forgiveness, and the end of time. My online book club is on Wednesday nights, so I will have, I will actually have taped this on Wednesday, and I'll release it before Wednesday evening. But I'll be doing my online book club this Wednesday evening. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. You can be, I can be reached at trifectanow3 at gmail.com. If you'd like to ask a question, share a comment, or just say hello. And that's all I have for now. So what I'd like to say to all of you is keep sharing the love and remember that this is our journey. Let us together find our way. Live in this moment. It's the only one that truly matters. Always, always, always love, Denise.